The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Please be seated. From today's Gospel lesson. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, last week, you will recall, or at least I hope you will recall, that we talked about the fact that last week's gospel and this week's gospel are best considered in tandem because together they pose two questions, two essential questions, the answers to which, I think, determine whether we live a life of fear or a life of joy. Now, last week, again, I hope you recall, we identified the question posed by the gospel as this. How do I want to be remembered? What legacy do I want to leave? Now, not too long ago, I had a parishioner tell me that she really likes audience participation homilies, so I'm going to ask for a little audience participation right now. Thinking about that, as I know you have over the last week, how do I want to be remembered some of you volunteer and fill in that blank with just a word or two. I want to be remembered as courteous. I want to be remembered as prompt. I don't know. What? Some, somebody give me some examples. Wait, what? Compassionate? Kind. Kind, kind compassionate. Two good ones. What else? What? A help to your students. That's a great one. Mentor. How about that? Yeah, I'm a wordsmith. What else? Huh? Anybody? Full of life. Full of life. That's great. These are all great examples. Great examples. We're going to get back to this idea of legacy in just a minute. But so what then is the question that is put by today's gospel? Well, that question is this. Having identified for ourselves the legacy that we want to leave behind, how we want to be remembered, today's question is how valuable is that legacy to me? How important is that legacy to me? The way Jesus puts it is this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
But there's a rub here. There's a disconnect. You see, I could go through this exercise we just went through anywhere. I could, I could go downtown to the streets of Dothan. I could go to the streets of New York City, to the avenues of Paris, anywhere in the world, and go through that same exercise, asking people, fill in the blank, how do you want to be remembered, and get answers largely like, very similar to what we heard here this morning. But the problem is, the disconnect is, when we look at reality, so few people live in accordance with their legacy wishes. You see, if my legacy is to, if my, if my treasure, rather, is to leave a legacy of compassion, then I will live a compassionate life. If the legacy I desire is my treasure and that legacy is love, I will live a loving life and so forth. But we see so many people whose treasure is obviously elsewhere. The treasure is what so often? Money, possessions, power, fame. Thank you. Audience participation. There we go. <clears throat> Why is that? Why do we have this disconnect? Well, I think Jesus puts his finger on it in the very first words of the gospel reading today where he says, do not be afraid. Now, this notion, this concept of fear is a big deal in the Bible. Jesus repeatedly in all the Gospels tells us in one way or another, don't be afraid. But we can go beyond that. There's some folks who have counted this up. And over 350 times in the Bible, we, are re we read or we are told, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Fear not. Why such emphasis throughout the Bible? Why did Jesus preach this so often? Well, I'm confident it's because Jesus and the other biblical authors recognize that fear is a hugely strong emotion. But more importantly, it is a terribly strong negative emotion. Now, I'm sure that many of you are familiar with that 13th century giant, St. Thomas Aquinas. He was a monk and a priest, and there are those who think he may be the greatest theologian ever to live. Here's what Aquinas said about fear. He said, fear is such a powerful emotion for humans that when we allow it to take over us, it drives compassion entirely out of our hearts. Fear drives compassion out of our hearts and into that void where compassion should be. Well, that void is filled by things like greed and indifference to others. Why is this? Why, why do we find fear to be so prevalent? I think it goes back to a basic human instinct, and that is the instinct for survival. And then superimposed on top of that is the fact that so many people, including I think most of us, at least from time to time, tend to look at the world through a lens of scarcity. We look out on the world and we see scarcity is what led the rich man in last week's parable to act as he did, to act out of greed. Now, interestingly, when you think about it, 
That rich man didn't have any scarcity in his life at the moment, did he? He was a rich man. But he fell prey to the what if. Clearly he was thinking, what if things turn south, so to speak? What will I do? And so he, he resorted to greed, and that is the legacy he left. Now let's be honest. Don't we all fall prey to that what if mentality from time to time? I know I do. I can remember practicing law and thinking from time to time, what if somewhere down the road, the demand for my legal services dries up? Today we could say, what if there is a scenario after another? So how do we get past this what if? How do we get past the, the siren call of scarcity? How do we get past fear? Jesus addresses that today. He says, fear not, and then he goes on to say, it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, Jesus is not preaching a gospel of health and wealth. He's not saying, don't fear, God will give you healthy lives, God will give you wealthy lives. I mean, the fact is this, that these what-ifs, well, they are possibilities. Into some lives, there are financial reversals. Into some lives, there are these dreadful diagnoses. Into some lives, there are tragedies. And let's face it, in all of our lives, sooner or later, are significant difficulties. But no, what Jesus is saying is, when God says it's God's pleasure to give us the kingdom, that means it's God's pleasure to give us God's constant love to envelop us in God's love every minute of every day. It means it is God's good pleasure to give us the strength and the courage with God's help to meet those challenges that come in life. In other words, what Jesus is saying is this. The antidote to fear, the antidote to that siren call of scarcity is trust in God. Makes sense, doesn't it? Of course it does. And so all we have to do is say, got it, I trust God. Here's a rub. Trust doesn't work that way, does it? We don't suddenly wake up one morning and say, okay, now I trust. Trust is developed. So how then can you and I develop that necessary, that precious trust in God that will free us from fear. All right, here's the very best news I have today. So, if you're looking down, you hadn't paid attention, look up, pay attention. This trust in God is within the grasp of every one of us right now right now, because that trust in God comes from a cultivation of faith. Now, that word cultivation, I chose specifically, intentionally, purposefully, and carefully, because faith is indeed cultivated. And let me tell you what I mean by that. I have in my office library right now a book, I've had it for several years, that's entitled 
Praying Shapes Believing. That title represents or, or, or communicates a counterintuitive fact of life. You see, instinctually, or I think most of us, not all of us, believe, well, you know, once I have faith, that will lead me to a prayer life. It's the other way around. You see, when we begin to pray, we open a dialogue with God. And out of that dialogue comes a relationship. And as that relationship strengthens over time, that's where trust comes. Trust springs out of that relationship. Praying is one essential, but just one part of that cultivation of faith. There are other parts to it, and we need, we need the whole picture. There is, for example, doing what we are doing this morning, coming together to worship together, to sing together, to praise God together, to participate in the mystery and the majesty of the Holy Eucharist together. Worshiping together deepens our relationship with God. Then there is study of the Word of God, going to Sunday school, going to Bible studies, going to the Wednesday night series with fellowship and and discussion about the Bible, and other, other ways of reading the Bible itself and reading about it. All of that strengthens our relationship with God. Then there's stewardship, giving of our time, giving of our talent, giving of our money to God. That draws us into closer relationship with God. And every single thing I have just mentioned, we can do starting right now. Every single one of us can do that. And the beauty of that is, as we do that, but it takes what? It takes something. It takes, well, it takes desire on our part, and it takes the will to do it on our part. But when we do, the faith grows, our relationship with God grows, and trust in God naturally springs from that. And when we get to that, then we are freed. We are freed from a view of the world of scarcity, we are freed from, from fear, and we are freed at that point to pursue the legacies that we've identified we want. We are free to make our desired legacies our treasure, and that is where our heart will be. And then we will find this, that we live no longer in any fear, but we live joyfully. And all of that, all of that is within our grasp right now. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.